Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. It is cold in Buffalo, but it's December, so you'd expect that. Um, what is it like where you are, Russ? And About 40 degrees. Not bad. Actually, yeah, a little... Little chilly this morning. Car was frosted over this morning when I got in it. But yeah, sun actually beautiful. Sunny. We're supposed to have sun for at least straight through the weekend, at least, which is nice because Sunday, Monday in New York was a absolutely torrential. Yeah, we had the same here. Time. Well, I heard I heard that because uh, a mutual friend, um, or a friend a friend of a friend was flying in, um, and apparently their flight was coming through the Midwest and not through New York. Uh, this was ye- uh, yesterday, and they were happy that that was the case because there was a lot of wind and a lot of dis- flight delays because of the weather. Um, I didn't know it was that bad on the East Coast, but that's what the, they're, they're saying. There were a lot of delays, but anyway, yeah. Sunday um, Monday was was brutal here. I mean, yeah, no white Christmas in Buffalo. That's good. Um, Ross, go ahead with the pre-show. Yeah, so let's um, talk about this whole ringer Aaron Rodgers thing it's it's so ridiculous okay first thing is I don't think it was horrible that Aaron Rodgers took a roster spot considering there's many times there's a third quarterback on teams that they activate that take a roster spot and never play so I don't care about that mm-hmm. uh it's happened a million times but because it's Aaron Rodgers it makes the news mm-hmm. another thing is he did say he wants to play another two years so mm-hmm. I think his level of commitment is more than Jet fans thought at the very beginning before all this started. The fact that some people think that he scammed the team because he was maybe going to come back. I mean, I think we all knew when he would come back and why he would come back. And the thing is, it's Joe Douglas that scammed the team. He's been around since 2019 and has failed to put together a, a decent offensive line. So, Really, Aaron Rodgers hasn't done anything wrong here. Maybe he got a few of his buddies there. I get it, but that's about it. I'm not going to agree with what the ringer was saying, but I, I the thing is, Jan, from from like the outside New York perspective, um, the, the 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 thought is is that he strung this along to get his money from the McAfee show, which I don't know if that does he really need a million dollars from the McAfee show when he's making thirty five no. million dollars from the Jets? But it's uh, he's a, he is an attention whore, and that's the that's the thing. Right. It's like I mean, okay, he wanted to stay consequential during this entire season because it was a blow that it ended after four four plays, and I you know I get that. Um, and I think you know he was going to come back one way or the other if 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 there was a chance of him coming back during the season. But I, I just like I, I thought it was a sham that there was even a thought he was going to come back. And at five and eight, if there if they would have put him back in the lineup, they would have they should have been they should have been shot because that would have been ridiculous. So I, a couple of things. So as somebody who was not a huge Rogers fan beforehand, who, who recognized his talent, but as a person. He's definitely, I'll use the term, ingratiated himself in terms of with Jets fans for the most part. Now, whether or not you want to argue he's been playing everybody, um, the comments he made where he may want to play two more years, if he goes back on that, he'll get eviscerated in the press, especially New York. Secondly, he was getting paid by McAfee anyway. There was no way McAfee wasn't going to pay him because he probably would have come on and given some insight in terms of what was going to be. if you want to argue he brought he bought help bring Lazard here, no question. I would say more Cobb than Lazard, but Lazard clearly signed with the Jets. And honestly, given the way he's performed or not performed, it probably wouldn't be better off if he didn't. Because don't forget Tim horrific. Boyle. Don't forget Tim Boyle. Yep, bringing a pretty horrific number two number two wide receiver, or supposed to be a purported number two wide receiver on this right. team. Um, you want to argue with what Douglas has done? I, I can agree with you, Mike, but a Becton, great first year. Everybody thought he was going to be okay this year. He started out great, stunk. They've lost AVT two years in a row. Tipman got hurt. Now, granted, you can easily make the argument that the Browns have done a good job of replacing guys and being Absolutely. able to use the scheme, which has been the main argument as to why they feel Salah and and Hackett and Ulbrich to a certain extent uh, need to go because other teams have made do. 
with getting injuries and been able to perform while the Jets have not. And, and I don't, I think that's a valid argument to a certain extent, but um, if you're going to use the argument, Mike, I think that Rogers to a certain extent, as of now, looks like he may have helped Salah, Hackett and Ulbrich and Douglas keep their jobs for at least another year. I can't argue with that one because that's probably going to be the case given the comments that he's made, unless Woody Johnson decides to do a 180 and clean house and deal with the he fallout as to whether or not a new coaching yeah. staff yeah, will won't. be able to keep Rodgers around or not. Well, let me ask this question as the as an interested outsider, because I, I believe Zach Wilson's played his last game as a, as a Jet. So if Rodgers comes back, they obviously have to get themselves a legitimate backup just in case, you know, since he is 40 going on 41. And, you know, with that defense, they can be consequential even if he gets hurt again. But do they go out and draft another quarterback in the first round? I'll not tell if you, they I, have a fifth overall pick, I don't think. Well, no, they're, they're not, not going to. They're not yeah. drafting a quarterback. I can tell you that. Maybe they'll draft one in like the fourth, fifth round. They're not drafting it with the first pick. Uh, the other thing about Rodgers is that since he is coming back next year, like Jan said, everybody's coming back. There's nothing we can do about that. But just – Zach Wilson's gone. Makai Becton is gone. And if you look really? at most, yeah. oh yeah, they're not re-signing him. He, he's, he's not. He's not. He didn't. They didn't. Ext they didn't uh, extend the option for his fifth year going into the season. So he's gone, and that's where most of the failure for Joe Douglas appears is offensive line, tight end, the usual spots. So whether he comes back or not, whatever. But what Rodgers is going to do is he is going to go out and said he will personally try and get guys to come to the Jets. So what he means is offensive linemen. So he is going to go to free agent and other offensive linemen who can maybe be gotten in a trade, whisper in their ear, and get them to the Jets. And that's more valuable than having Joe Douglas on staff. I didn't think it was possible that this would be the case, but Zach Wilson made Sam Darnold look like a successful pick. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because, I mean, I liked Sam, Dar Sam Darnold. I think, you know, the fact was, I think, he, you know, he got injured and then, you know, things just Yeah, he up. got gased. I think if he were yeah. brought up correctly in an organization, he could have done better. Look, Wilson's got some talent, but somebody has to actually figure out how to get him to unlock it. He's got a great arm, Mike, and he does have a way of avoiding the, the rush. And those are two things that you need in the NFL. But the Jets don't have the time for it. Maybe when he's 35, like Geno Smith, he'll figure it out. Yeah, he needs a quarterback guru. He needs to go someplace yeah. well, like L.A. or San Francisco and be well, a backup. He, he, he had one. Unfortunately, Greg, Greg, Greg Knapp got killed riding yeah. his bicycle, and Knapp was supposed to be his guy, and yeah. he was the one that helped him at BYU that year. So that was actually a pretty big loss, and whether you can argue he's never recovered from it, that's the guy who was supposed to be his QB guru when he came to the Jets. But even Rodgers – Got him only just so far, Jan. So yeah, I, yeah. I can't, you know. Correct. Yeah. All right, let's start the show. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. I'm Jan Levine. I'm Russ Cohen from uh, NHLDraftBuzz.com. <laughs> plug, plug, plug. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, uh, we're going to split the, you know, because we have the Christmas freeze. The scheduling freeze will begin uh, after Saturday's game. So we're going to take a look at the Eastern Conference today, the Western Conference on Friday. Um, a lot of stuff going on in the East. I want to start with the game last night, the rematch from uh, last week where, you know, the Leafs, a, a sick, a, a an illness-ridden Leafs team came into MSG where they normally don't do well and beat the Rangers 7-3. to three. And after that game, I said, you know, this was like a, a confluence of like, I mean, Igor Shesterkin playing like Jonathan Bernier, as I said in my blog today. And, you know, the defense, a really good defense looking at a collection of Aki Bergs. That was not going to happen again when they met again at uh, Scotiabank Arena. And as you saw, the, the Leafs lost 5-2 to two to the Rangers. Shesterkin was Shesterkin. He played really well. Their defense, um, you know, other than two Austin Matthews goals, which he's the league leader in goals, uh, at 25, that's forgivable. And, uh, you know, the Rangers got, they had fortunate bounces because I think only one of the goals was sort of weird, but, you know, good teams get good bounces and they got two power play goals. I mean, Jan, I think that's the team that I expect to be one of the two or three teams in the East to go to the Stanley Cup final. 
And, you know, they've had a little bit of a roller coaster and Shesterkin's had a little bit of his cha- you know, challenges challenges so far. But I think this is a really good team and they showed it last night. So, yes, let me cover a couple of things. So, first of all, as you mentioned, in terms of their team, three in a row, four out of five, they've won ever since that little bobble. The one loss being the loss to Toronto. B, puck luck. Um, actually, three of the goals last night. The Zibanejad goal was lucky. The Lafreniere goal was lucky. And the Panarin goal was lucky, right? And then you had the Zibanejad, which was a the empty netter. So you can argue three of the four puck luck, but as I wrote in my blog today, right, you make your own breaks, you create your own opportunities, and by the pressure they put on, they created those opportunities. Um, I, I thought they made a much better game than the last time. I do think, though, especially starting part of the third, they were way back on their heels too often. Toronto was was really um, capturing and, and taking advantage of the play, especially early on in the third, mm-hmm. before the Rangers kind of flipped the switch a little bit in the goal by Schneider. Yeah. Um, a, which was a great rush. B, he said he sort of got a little help with a pick. I don't know if it was a pick, but the the neutral zone just kind of opened wide up because the defenseman played too far over. And then on the goal, I thought Jones did a horrible job of hugging the post. And then also, Val- as Valaket noted, he was looking to go top shelf, and he actually put it low, which yeah. is why he beat him, right? But Fanned on it. That's what he right. said. And, and the Rangers did a much better job yesterday than they did in, in the game the other night. Um, much better in the neutral zone. First period was kind of a meh first period neither both teams kind of feeling each other out second period was clearly a much better period than the third period the rangers kind of took control though toronto still had had chances and as you mm-hmm. mentioned just jerkin who was pretty pretty horrible but i would blame the defense a lot in terms of his performance last time um in the 7-3 loss they they did a pretty horrible job in that game he was mm-hmm. aided by his defense but when he had to come up big especially on that two save sequence the second where he robbed tavares in the slot I mean, that was probably his best moment of the game. So I thought overall a much, much better performance. And then one of the things also that was pretty evident is that Blake Wheeler is doing a little bit better job of settling in with Sabanajad and Kreider. Um, they've been driving play. Um, he had two assists last night. The favorite Michael Agello, Toronto castoff, Eric Gustafson had three assists last night yeah, against his sucks. former team. Um Still sucks, but you guys would love him on the blue line right now. So, no. well, oh, wait, please, right, come right, on. Right, right now, right now, with Giordano out and Klingberg out for the year, and them having to play William Logason. Yeah, I mean, but but I no, I wouldn't want him. Not not a chance. Okay, Mike, we we can agree to disagree. He's okay. been a perfect third pairing guy, okay. which honestly is where he should be. Yeah, but but they you know, and and Blake Wheeler would love to play Toronto every game because he had two goals in the game at MSG and then he had a couple assists in this game. He seems to love to play Toronto. Um, Russ, I look at the Rangers right now, and you know, I mean, Shesterkin has had I think a below average for him first half of the season. I think his save percentage going into the game was like 905. He's a he's a 915 to 920 goaltender. So I expect him to be better in the second half. You can't ask for much more than quick. Um where I look at the Rangers in terms of a need to sort of upgrade or maybe uh add before the deadline. I don't think they need to add like a big a big splash guy. I do think they they need to do what they did a couple years ago. Add like an Andrew Cop, Frank Petrano type of depth guy that helps them either up front or on the blue line because there's not much needed there. But I think they do need a little bit of a push in the second half. All right. So a few things. Um, just because the chat room's right, not trying to correct you, Jan, but Wheeler did have three assists. Oh yeah, it looked like two when I looked at the NHL.com yeah, yeah. um, and Yahoo start- this morning. They both seem to indicate two yes, two in the box score when I saw it this morning. Oh, okay. So maybe they took one off because last night they said he had. I know it was three on the broadcast last night, but I checked this morning when writing my blog and it looked like two. He just kills the leaves. So there you go. So, yeah, but but it's good because even when they were back in Philly, uh, that line was just starting to click. Wheeler kind of dropped off from there and and has picked it up. I think Snyder has picked it up a lot this year. I'll give Laviolette some credit for that because last year I felt like he was a little stuck in the mud and – so now this year, that extra development's good because you saw what the Rangers are like without Miller. They need Keandre Miller. They need they need Miller, Lingard, and Fox no matter what. They yes. go nowhere if they're missing one of those three. They have at least those three. They can go places. Uh, I don't think they need to add anybody like Frank Petrano. I, I think, honestly, I think that if they were smart, they would bring up at some point this season, bring up Matthew Robertson because he's like a missing ingredient on the blue line, see what he can do. 
And then if you need a, you know, two-way fourth-line guy, fine. Bring him in because there's there's some upgrading that could be had there. But I wouldn't mess with the chemistry much on this team because I didn't I wouldn't want to see them make changes just to make changes. Well, no, I'm not saying change for the sake of change. I mean, obviously they want Kako back, they want Heedle back from the injured list. Right. Um, but you know, like I mean, I think in terms of the playoffs, you know, do you want to depend on Gustafson and Zach Jones? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I would depend on them. This is the Gustafson that does well for Laviolette. So I am not a Gustafson fan either, but I did at least acknowledge I understood why they were doing this because he had success under Laviolette. Right. And he continue, he's continuing to have success for him. So why in the world would I say that was bad? And I believe in Zach Jones, and I always have. So, But I think Robertson is a guy that if you bring him up, that's some more physicality. He doesn't have to play all the time, but he may have to play in case somebody gets injured. If you want to bring up, bring up somebody else that – you know, could spell VC once in a while because VC has good games and bad games. Fine. But I don't think they need to do too much, and I don't think they need to bargain with the draft picks. I don't think they need to trade or bargain against the future. I think they're in pretty good shape. It'll depend on how injuries are for them. But last year their chemistry got screwed up with Kane, and it screwed up their season. Hopefully they learn from that this year, and they say, yeah, you know what? Sometimes a slight move is the best move. Tyler so, Mott, part three. No. Um, but I do think, I mean, I do think it was with the only thing that was problem with Robertson bringing him up, Ross, is Jones can't be sent down without passing through waivers. And I don't think they're going to send them down. I don't think they have the no, captain can, try to carry both on the of them. bench and see what you got in Robertson for five games. It's not going to kill Zach Jones. You don't have to send him down. You could just, no, no, I'm just saying from a cap perspective, though, right? They're trying to maximize cap room. So that's the only yeah. point I'm trying to make. And then I think in terms of forwards, I mean, the guy that may end up getting a look is, is Brendan Offman down the road. Uh, I don't maybe. think right away. I could see maybe. In about another month, it's possible he gets another look, especially as you get a bit more clarity on whether or not Hedl and or Kaka will be back. And I'm, I'm not expecting Kaka, honestly, back until the playoffs start when you don't right. have to worry about the cap implications. Yeah. All right. So let's let's work from the bottom on our way up here for in, in the conference. Um, the news I, since we uh, last had a show was uh, the Ottawa Senators firing DJ Smith. Um not shocking, but I thought there was a chance that he was going to last through the season. Apparently, that was the intent. The intent was to keep Dorian and DJ Smith through the season and then make a decision on them. Uh, but the the Pinto situation and the and the and the uh, penalty of a first round pick made it necessary for them to fire Dorian. And then you know DJ Smith, they, they were really, you know there were chance of fire DJ, and the team is just wallowing right now. Now they've only played 27 games, and they have two, but they have 22 points. Um, you know they're I think they're second worst in the league. Yeah, they're one, they're one point ahead of Chicago and San Jose. So they're really with the, with the talent that that team has, that's an absolute disgrace. But Russ, I don't know whether 71 year old Jacques Martin and Daniel Albertson who you know if who probably has coached his son's midget team is is a solution i mean it, it sounds like that's an interim fix but yeah that's I, all it is it's yeah. all i spoke to some people it's only yeah. an interim fix albertson's doing him a favor he wants to go back to his other position Jacques martin can coach it's not like Jacques martin yeah, no i'm not saying he can't coach he's just he, you know it's not a permanent fix is what no, i'm saying no none of this is a permanent fix they still need a gm in the front office they still need like another assistant gm at least the whole front office needs restructuring. So until any of that gets done, all this is is just to get through the season because I think most will agree that they're pretty much out of it. So it really doesn't matter who's coaching, how they're coaching. They just want to make sure their players are playing, they're happy, they're getting their playing time, and that's all they really could do right now. And just to bring on that, Ross, you made a point about the Rangers really missing Keandre Miller when he's not there. Well, I think it's pretty evident that Otto is Mrs. Thomas Shabbat when he's not there. I mean, his yeah. his absence now twice has been a major impact in whether or not he's going to be the scoring defenseman that he used to be now that Shikrin and Sanderson are there. From a defensive perspective, they're pretty much missing his presence on the blue line. I yeah. think they're going to trade him, though. I think because they have Chikrin and Sanderson, I think they um, they could part with Shabbat and redo that, that blue line because well, – Chikrin, Chikrin, I think has another year after this year. Right. Uh, but he, you know, he's going to expect a big raise. Right. But he maybe he'll get a big raise. Maybe Tyler Clevin's ready next year. Who's physical? They need to 
they need to also, in the same way that I was talking about Buffalo the other day, well, they need to get a more balanced defensive unit, and they need to get solid goaltending. And they, they really don't have either yet. Okay, Shabbat, Shabbat's got four more years at $8 million. Right, but four more years at $8 million with the cap going up, if they eat a little bit, you'll have a taker for him. Yeah, um, Chikrin's got one more year at 4.6, so you're probably going to end up having to give him what Shabbat's making. Yeah. And maybe maybe they could – but see, that's the thing. Defensively, I, I think what the, their problem right now with Shabbat is is that he has gotten hurt twice. Um, and you know his his durability over the last year or so has been sort of called in question. Yeah, well, that's because they put so much mileage on him. Right, and, and that's on. that's exactly what I was going to say. Then, you know, when you're playing a guy 29 minutes, yeah, you know, I mean, come on, it's just. But if he goes to another team and he's not the number one guy, he'd still be very valuable. So I think if I were them, that's what I'd be looking to do. And I do still think they need another real good veteran, not Tarasenko. A guy who could be there, like a almost like a Pavelski type, you know, that can work with the uh, with some of the younger players, but not be a one dimensional me guy like Tarasenko. You mean somebody like Claude Giroux? Oh, oh, oh excuse me, sorry. Yeah. Well, listen, Giroux Giroux has been a help, but they yeah. need somebody else like Claude Giroux. That's the problem. Right. And and Giroux's like had a good year, really. Last well, year. The thing the thing is, and I, I think I think it was a good point. I think it was Jeff Merrick that made the point. Is that it was one year? Oh, no, it was Jason York who was on Jeff Merrick's show. The Tarasenko move, the DeBrinket move, it was one year or two years too early for those moves. It was sort of like the Phil Kessel move in Toronto back in the day. You don't add Phil Kessel when your team is rebuilding, you add it at the end of the rebuild when you're trying to contend. And well, they they added a scorer like the Brink had hoped that he would re-sign there. He didn't want to re-sign there, and then they ended up not getting as much for him at, that they traded for him. I think I think they Dorian added the Brinkett to sell tickets. They needed to sell tickets, and and that sold tickets. I think that was why that happened. Um, okay, moving moving up the chain here, and we'll link them here because they played last night, and it was. Um, Probably one of the more embarrassing games for the Buffalo Sabres. It, well, it was their worst performance this season. Probably in the Kevin Adams era, probably was their one of their most embarrassing performances. A 9-4 loss to Columbus. And un, uh, unusual for the Sabres, they scored the first goal because normally they fall behind. Right. They scored the first goal and then gave up the next seven. And, oh, and, and talking to a couple Columbus reporters, even – Leading seven one, they said, "Well, this game isn't over yet," and right, just, right. because because Toronto came back from five nothing last week, and it, was, it got to seven four, and I think Buffalo almost scored to make it seven five, and then then Columbus came down and added two goals, and then it was over with. So let's take the Columbus side first. This is an organization right now. You know, Pascal Vincent tried to be Mike Babcock light early in the season, Jan. He, you know, he was sending Kent Johnson down to the Lake Erie Monster or the Cleveland Monsters. You know, he was benching Patrick Line. Um, they were playing Line at center, which I was told by somebody that that was Line's idea to play center uh, because he wanted to do anything he could do to help the team. But they're really, I mean, they added, you know, they added Warren or they brought back Warinsky from injury. They added Provorov. They added Severson. Defensively, they have not gotten better. Their goaltending has been terrible. Their offense has been inconsistent. I mean, Russ, I have to start wondering whether Yarmo's job is in danger. I mean, it could be. I don't know if it's imminent or anything like that. It could be, but I will say this. Look, they – Yurichek didn't play either, right? They're still screwing around with his playing time too. No, he didn't play. So, I mean, that's another thing where uh, it's a little inexplicable as to what this team is doing. Unless they're shopping Andrew Peak and they needed to play him to, you know, to showcase him or something like that, because Yurichek is a top pick in the draft. You play him if you're I mean, calling he's up in the if he's up on the NHL roster, you play him. I mean, they, they finally took my advice and Nick Blankenberg's playing and. You know, yesterday he was a plus, and he's a good player. Um, but, you know, Jake Bean hasn't produced for them. So, right. I mean, there's plenty of defensemen to pull out of that lineup and put David Juracek in. I don't think it's hard. Uh, 
you know, Provorov is fine. I mean, Provorov's not their problem. He's playing a lot of minutes for them. But right now the coaching stinks and the goaltending isn't great. And then when you look on the Buffalo side, they just, you know, I, I looked at that game and I think they saw a couple of weak goals early and that was it. The floodgates just opened up. And, you know, I hate to be on the, well, Ukapeka Lukanen is really just a backup rant here. But, you know, when I tried to say that on Twitter a couple of years ago, I got knocked down yeah. um, by somebody. And two years later, uh, he's a backup. Well, and well, maybe in a different organization, he could be a 1B, but I'm not sure about that. Well, let me let me just finish on Columbus and then we'll concentrate on the Sabres because with Columbus, they had Fantelli playing as the number one center um, with, with Goudreau. Um, the big line was Karel Marchenko scoring a natural hat trick. Their, their Russian line uh, over the last week or so has played pretty well. They played well. Against between his legs, too. It was pretty nice. Yeah. That was so, a great goal. That was a great goal. I mean, but um, I, if they can get consistent offense out of those guys, then, you know, then that would that would really help them. Um, you know, like Alexander Texier is playing on the fourth line when I thought he would be a better player than that based on what I saw early in his career. But really, the, 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 you know, they need to get Jenner back. They need to get Line A back. Um, and then they need Fantilli and Kent Johnson to play regularly. Do they need Line A back? That's the question. Well, if they don't – okay, if they don't get Line A back, then they need to get him healthy so they can trade him. But with that contract and the way he's played, I don't know if he's movable. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Well, the only thing that, that happens with both those guys out now, as you said, is they play the kids, right? Which is probably not the worst thing for the development. Right. It kind of forces them yeah. to keep Kent Johnson in the lineup. The biggest issue with them right now is who's their goalie? Merzlikens has not been good, and Tarasov yeah. hasn't grabbed a hold of an opportunity, even though he got the win last night. My yeah. view is go with Tarasov, play him like five games in a row, see whether or not he has the capacity to be that number one goalie, because if not, you're still going to be searching for one down the road because – Merzlikens doesn't look like the guy who can be a number one goalie right now. Yeah, Tarasov only played his second game, so I mean they're gonna. I think they're gonna give him an opportunity because Merzlikens has just not played well. Go ahead. The only other thing I would say is, um, and I remember Yarmo pushed Texier to me a lot when he first got him up there. He is still only twenty four. Yeah. He did play in France, so he hasn't had the same kind of background that a lot of players do. So I, I wouldn't just wipe him out just no. yet. I think there is some talent there. Yeah. I just don't know how much. And he took a year off because of a personal situation. Right. I don't even know the details of. Right. So. Um, but, okay, so let's switch to Buffalo because, I mean, that game was like a bomb going off. And then chance of fire Granado rang out at the arena. Um, so, you know, it was just like it was not a, it was not a pleasant uh, post game when it came to, you know, the, I mean, I'll say this: Kyle Oposo and Tage Thompson were accountable. They owned it. They, they, you know, I don't think they had much of a choice. Then, after giving up nine goals to one of the worst teams in the league, the question is: This is a team that clearly is talented because they've beaten the Rangers, the Bruins, and Vegas over the last three weeks. But then they lose to Montreal. They lose to Columbus. They lose to Arizona. They lose to Nashville. They're four games under five hundred. Their problem here is, and, you know, Jan, you know, you saw Buffalo a few weeks ago when they played the Rangers. Um, they occasionally will get a great performance out of Levi, but last night I think a couple of the goals were weak. Um, their defense, they've got a lot of offensive talent in Darlene and Power, but they're not well-rounded defensemen. It's not like Adam Fox. It's not like... Jacob Truba. They, you know, there's Columbus was getting clear chances at the goal. And these forwards who scored 300 goal, almost 300 goals last year, they want to score. They want to be high flying throttle wide open. They don't know how to play two way. And if they're not scoring, they're giving up chances. So with Buffalo, I think it's not one thing. I think it's multi-system failure and that's their problem. Yeah. So I agree with a couple of things. So Goaltending, they sent Levi down a couple of weeks ago. They gave him two two games down in the minors. Then they had some injuries and called him back up. 
You can very easily argue that they rushed him and called him back up way too soon. Luke and that, but but, Luke but I'd and love to put it on Levi because UPL gave up five goals after Levi was done. So right. I don't know whether or not, as you said, you can blame a individual goalie. It is a systematic issue, which yes. has to put into question whether or not Don Granado is the right guy to coach this team if they haven't gotten any better defensively. And as you said, it stems not just from the forwards, but the defense also. Although I do think Alwyn Power was pretty good last year. He actually did a great – in terms of his defensive responsibilities while he scored, it was actually pretty good in his own end as well last year. And he's definitely degraded this year. And Darlene hasn't had a great year. And the rest of the blue line has been average at best. But unless your forwards buy into the system and get back and help and back check, which is what's lacking, what you saw last night is partly what's going to happen a lot. And then B, the other piece of the puzzle is – they may, may very well play to the level of their opponent. So when they're facing the elite teams in the league, mm -hmm. their focus and attention to detail is a lot sharper. And when they're playing the weak sisters of the poor or the teams like Columbus and the others, their viewpoint is, is we can then get into a shootout. Don't have to worry about focusing on the neutral zone and our own zone. We can basically take liberties. And by doing so, leave our goaltender out to dry and if you don't score on the other end, they come back down and they score on your end, and all of a sudden you end up with games like we saw yesterday. Russ, I mean, this this is my the thing, and we've gone we've gone at this about the Sabers since the summer. You know, I would have I would have gone out and got gotten a veteran backup or a veteran number, you know, a one B to play with Levi if they were intent on playing Levi in the NHL. I didn't trust Lukanen. Lukanen has been as up and down this year as he was last year. And Comrie got hurt again this year and ever since he came back has not been good. But if you were intent on going with Levi, you had to upgrade your defense significantly instead of going out and getting a top four defense in which they have the assets to go out and get they were taught the rumors about pesci and hannafin and other guys instead they went out and they signed connor clifton who's a bottom pairing guy and a veteran eric johnson who's probably in the last year of a really good career and they didn't what they needed to do was add one of those guys like pesci and move Henry Yokoharu down to the fourth, down to the second or third pairing, and that would have made their defense deeper. He's not. I don't know if he's a second pairing defenseman. And Power and Yokoharu yesterday were minus four against the Blue Jackets. They didn't improve their defensive core, and they didn't really upgrade their goaltending. So they're ruining what they sow right now. All right. So a couple things. Yokoharu is not good, and they need to give up on him at some point. I get. That he has some offense in his game, but they're hanging on with him, and I don't, I don't get it. Uh, for about ten minutes yesterday on SiriusXM, I was the GM of the Buffalo Sabers. So here's what I said I would do: I would put Devin Levi right back in Rochester and tell him to go win a championship. This isn't the year for him to be up in the uh, in the NHL. He needs an AHL game. Uh, that they should have kept him there, like Jan said. Uh, that was to me pretty obvious. Going, even if you have to trade Casey Middlestat. Go and get a defenseman. You need to get one from Boston, get one from Boston. If you need to work out a deal with Calgary and you can maybe sign Hannafin long term, then work out a bigger deal with that. You got to do something like that. They can't keep bringing back the same kind of defenseman. They have to bring back a good, puck moving, rock solid defender. They can't just bring back, even a McCabe now, they're missing in, in the worst way. They're missing guys like that on the blue line. Then they need a goalie. So if that means you have to get Jake Allen and you sign him to a two-year extension, then that's what you do until one of your other goalies are ready because they just need anybody to walk in there and just give them NHL average goaltending. Now, it's a shame because, you know, they, they basically said that the, the rebuild's over. You know, it's 12 years later, so they were on their second rebuild, I suppose. And, and now it's kind of like they need a retool. And Kevin Adams has to see that. He can't look at this team and and say, well, you know, things just went awry and it's just not working out. It's the same stuff as last year. Had you gotten a goalie at the deadline last year, you'd have made the playoffs. Maybe that goalie would still be on your team this year. So what they failed to do last year is hurting them again this year. I think their own opinion of what they think the team is is a lot better than what the team is. Not to say they don't have a lot of good parts, but they're not a good team. And so for me – I would worry about Don Granado's job at the end of the year because, as well liked as he is, uh, they're not listening to him. Yeah, I think I think hear the players defend him like that. 
That is the first thing that happens before a coach gets fired. I think the other factor here is, Russ, he signed a two-year extension and it hasn't even started yet. So if you think he's going to get fired, I don't think it's the case. you bump him upstairs or you make him a scout or whatever. Yeah. But he's obviously he's not the right coach for this team. Well, I, I would like to see them actually make a move and trade a player or two before they fire a coach. Well, that's what I'm suggesting first, but I still think the other could happen because, again, when you see players defend the coach to the degree they did yesterday, that is usually the first step before a coach is removed. Right. All right, so let's, let's look at it. Right now, I mean, if you look at the teams that are in second and third place in each division and – the two wild cards going down to Pittsburgh, who's at uh, in seventh in in, in let's see, let's see one two three four five, fifth uh, out of the wild card. So you're talking about one two three four four. You're talking about eleven teams. The gap is eight points, thirty nine to thirty one. So none of them. I don't know if none of, of any of them are really out of the race. I mean, to me, eight points is a pretty sizable distance but we're talking about from second place to all the way down at the bottom of the wild you know, right now tampa is at 35 and pittsburgh is at 31 so right now outside of the wild card you've got washington at 34 the devils at 34 the, the red wings at 34 montreal at 32 and pittsburgh at 31 i'm gonna write off montreal right now not because i hate them but because i think they're overachieving right now i don't think they're a very good team i've seen them a couple times in person uh I, you know i give them a lot of credit for doing what they're doing but you know i don't think that they're very good um but you know they have a lot they have some young players and they'll get better but i don't think they're going to be in the race this year so of those four teams washington new jersey detroit and pittsburgh which one of those four do you think have the best chance to work their way up into the wild card or into the top two or second or third spot in their division? Jan? It's a good question. I'm going to go with Jersey, um, although there, there's two caveats with that, and I think you guys will probably get both in one, their defense, right? No no, Dougie Hamilton. Right. There's a good possibility Hamilton could end up being lost for the year based upon the type of injury that he had, not sure, but a torn pectoral muscle and yeah. the healing is going to take a while. And B, as we've seen to discuss with every other team so far, goaltender. who's their goaltender? Yeah. Um, is it Vitek Vanacek? Is it Akira Schmid? Um, or is it somebody else? I mean, personally, in my opinion, I probably would run with Schmid and see whether or not he can be the guy like he was in the playoffs because I think we know what Vanacek is. But, you know, I think that John Gibson whispers are going to get louder. They're supposedly the rumors have kicked up already that they're kicking the tires to try to get him. And if they believe they are a goaltender away, and if you take Dougie Hamilton's salary and put it on LTIR, mm -hmm. that does give you some some flexibility to add guys. Um, the other piece of the puzzle with New Jersey is honestly, what the hell has happened to Timo Meyer? Because Timo Meyer has been basically a milk carton since he's come there. Yeah, he's never gotten this year. on track. Never. What's that? He's never gotten on track with them. Nope. He and this year especially, he's been absolutely invisible. So I still think Jersey still has more talent than Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pittsburgh probably has a better answer net with Tristan Jarry and Nedeljkovic has been pretty decent though. Jarry, when he's healthy, has proven he can be a number one. And you know Pittsburgh is gonna do whatever they can, as we saw with the Carlson deal, to make Crosby and Malkin have another kick at the can. So I do think they will be aggressive, but uh, Jersey from an overall talent perspective, on, they, they probably will be the one, but I do think those two key questions are goaltending and defense to try to figure out, but I do give them a slightly better shot than Pittsburgh to move up. Russ, the, the, the Gibson rumors are not only in New Jersey, they're also tied to Carolina. I mean, I don't know if they're ever going to come to fruition. I never, I, I, I'm surprised he's still in Anaheim, but He's tied to a number of teams. I, I don't know whether they'll final whether Pat Verbeek will finally, you know, make that move. Whether it's time for that move to be made. But I mean, if he did go to New Jersey or if he did go to Carolina, I think he would be a difference maker. I, I, I think Carolina he'd make more of a difference. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I go with what Marty Brown said on the radio the other day, and he said I don't think he's going anywhere, and I think he's right. I think these have just been rumors for the last couple of years, and I, I just think he's just staying where he is. So um, of, of those four teams, Washington, New Jersey, Detroit. You narrowed it to a point where I don't um, 
I believe more will drop out than this. I'm okay. going to just say for the argument of this, the way you're saying it like this, I'm actually going to go with the Capitals because okay. they just called up Ivan Miroshenko and he's a really talented guy. And I thought at the beginning of the year with Ovechkin watching over him the way he was, that they were going to pair them together. If they try and pair them together now, he could be the guy that maybe gets a little more mileage out of Obi. And if they get Obi scoring now and Miroshenko's there with his speed and skill, now all of a sudden with the defense they have, because if you look, they haven't given up many goals. I don't know if Lindgren's going to hold on like this, but Kemper's won a cup. So I think either way, you have enough goaltending. I think this could be their big move. If it's not, then it's not. But I just think there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, their problem is purely offensively. I mean, yeah. they've only, they've only Max Pacioretty, seven. Mike. It's Max Pacioretty, Mike. He'll be back eventually. Yeah, and how long before he He'll never be back? How long He'll be before back he for the, blows for the out? How long before he blows out his Achilles again? I mean, yeah, I'm sorry to say that because he was once a great Poor guy. Player. He's a great guy, but yeah, he's yeah. Still- no, I mean, it, you know, it's it's happened what three times? So yeah, yeah. um, I, I I agree with Jan. I I think the Devils. Are, are you know I I am not a believer in Pittsburgh. I mean Sidney Crosby is still Sidney Crosby. He's still great, but I, I you know it, it hasn't worked with Carlson. Um, they got they got tuned up by Toronto seven nothing on the weekend. There just seemed to be some quit in that organization, which is tough to say because they've won two Stanley Cups. But I don't know whether it's whether it's working. And they've got some they've had some injury problems, so I, I'm not so sure about them. But New Jersey's got so much talent, unless. Like Hughes gets hurt again, or you know, they, it, they add on another injury to the list of injuries that they have, um, that might prevent them. But I, I think they're going to jump back into the race now. Right now, Carolina is at 37, and Tampa is at 35. Tampa survived the Vasilevsky absence early in the season. He's not back to being prime Vasilevsky, but he's still playing pretty good. And their problem, Russ, is because of their salary cap situation, they're just not very deep. So I don't know if it's, if, if it's, if Julian Breezebois can add depth, um, he's going to, it's sort of have to give from Peter to pay Paul, but they're going to really have to add a player or two for depth purposes. If they want to, you know, go far in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I think something that could happen for them, is what if they what if they were to trade for Mark Andre Fleury? I just think he's going to get traded. I think with all these things happening, with him not playing in Pittsburgh recently, that he's going to get traded. And what if he gets traded to Pittsburgh? I think oh that, that could change things a little bit. Well, as, yeah. Carolina, as yeah, a starter or a backup, Russ. I was talking about uh, Tampa. I was talking about Tampa. Oh, Tampa. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get with Tampa, but I wanted to say that because we passed over Pittsburgh. No, I didn't pass over Pittsburgh. I just think Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh. I, I said this two weeks ago. I, I don't think Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is done. I mean, it's tough. To I don't think they're done. And I think if they could get Flurry, he could spark them. So, Jan, it's whatever he would do uh, to do. Now, as far as Tampa, yeah, their defense isn't great. I mean, Hedman's, you know, having an all time year again. Their defense isn't great. They're. They, um, you know, Alex Barbelay was finally playing, and, and maybe he's not going to be the guy we, we hoped he would be, or maybe it'll take a little while. I just don't think they have enough. And, and Sergachev may have gotten hurt last yep. night. He yeah, might. I think they're falling out of it. I think Carolina's getting lucky because um, Freddie Anderson's coming back, but I think their issue is Don Waddell is still yet to figure out their goaltending situation, and now he's just put a plug in there a guy from the ECHL, and fine, uh, maybe you can survive that until Freddie's ready, and then they're going to go with what they go with every year. It's just... Gee, okay, wash, rinse, repeat. Carolina with their goaltending issues, Jan. I, I think Kachekov could be their number one. Uh, look, we all problem, think that, but he hasn't done it yet. I agree with you. The problem with Anderson, right, because you, as you're well aware, right, is great regular season playoffs is a whole nother ball game, right? And they've 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 added pieces around in Carolina right now. But as you said, in Tampa Bay, I think the, the big issue is their blue line, right? You have Hedman, although Hedman's been playing banged up and missing time. Um, if Sergachev is out, that's a massive loss, and you probably have Perbix, and that's really it. Yeah. of their top six, given how many guys that they've lost. And then up front, um, I mean, what is this, 
number four, five, six, seventh chance for Barboulet in Tampa. I forgot how many yeah. times he's bounced yeah. back and forth to that organization. He's literally like a rubber band there. But they're also thin because they robbed Peter to pay Paul. But hey, yeah. you know what? You what you as you said, but you went look this way. Give me a couple of cups and I'll worry about the downstream impact down the sure. road. But but if if let's say we do get to March or the end of February and Tampa is out of it. Do they have the stones to trade a Steve Stamkos? No, no, sure. they won't do it. Will they go to Steve Stamkos and ask him, is he willing to go elsewhere? No, no. Okay. No, I think they're, okay. I, think, I think they're either going to make him take what they're willing to offer him, or he's going to go and f- go someplace else in free agency. Like we discussed last Friday. And if he goes someplace else, he's going to go someplace that is going to make them pain, make, 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 make them feel pain, like the Rangers or the Bruins or the Leafs. Someplace like that. A PR nightmare. I know. Traded Stamkos, especially since he's their second best player. Right. So they can't do it. No. And again, Russ, on the point you've made about Fleury, look, we'll talk about Minnesota. That is an epic fail by the coach not having him play against Pittsburgh. I don't care if it's on schedule from a PR perspective and the impact that is an epic fail from an organizational perspective that he doesn't dress and play against Pittsburgh. But I think there's going to be ramifications from that. That's my point. Yeah. Right. And if that's, if that's the driver for him moving, no disagreement, but I don't know how look and Gustafson added it the right way. He said it the right way. He said, look, I'm told to play. play. What what did look other than him going and say, Hey, give the nod to flurry. What else did you want him to do? Yeah. Um, all right. Just quickly here in, in the remaining five minutes um, uh, on the, the team's second and third in each division, Philadelphia. I mean, we talked about them a lot on off the post, Russ. I think they're overachieving. I don't think it's going to last. I think they're going to fall back in the second half of the season. They're playing all their veteran guys like Couturier way too much. They're playing the Sean Walkers and the Nick Sealers way too much and the Mark Stahls. Um, I don't think it's going to last. You know, could they surprise me? Sure. Tortorella is squeezing every little bit of juice out of the lemon. I think they should be playing their kids. But right now, you know, they're 39 points, so you can't you, you can't uh, criticize them for doing as you know, exceeding expectations. No, yeah. it's, it's it's a you know, it's a nine game point streak, so it's not like they've won them all. Right. And. Even last night, there were three opportunities for the Devils to put that game away in overtime, just as an example. just right. didn't happen, right? Tippett made a great play. So I do think at some point, all those things that you said will come to fruition. I mean, last night when they played Couturier in overtime, he was on one knee looking for some help, and Travis Konechny actually got the puck from him and made a play. But he was dead tired, dead on his feet, had played 23 minutes, over 23 minutes. It's too much. Two days ago, he was supposed to have a man um, – supposed to be able to take off from the game besides having you know a day off from practice and he couldn't because of the illness that's going through with the flyers that's the other thing carter hart has some sort of illness now that's been keeping him out and to me he looks thin so i don't know if he's getting back anytime soon so right now urson's like playing the best hockey of his life but all of these things could start to wear away after the christmas break i think that's when you see teams get a little more serious because they know there's less season left and they need points yeah the islanders right now uncharacteristically uh have 101 goals against and i don't think that you know Sorokin, i you know sorokin is still playing well but they're just defensively not i think what they're trying to do jan is they're trying to generate offense uh you know by, by taking more risks and they're saying okay we've got sorokin back there the problem is is that they're still not converting that much they, they only have 97 goals but they're right now they're you know barely hanging out in third place in the metro yeah i mean the islanders issue is the same issue that's always been right it's the lack of offense i mean that's kind of been the key issue with the team i mean sorokin has been great um noah dobson is having a norris caliber type season mm-hmm. barzell has kind of woken up with horvat lately and those two have seemed to show some chemistry but they're still scratching wallstrom a ton they still don't have that secondary scoring unless you believe in Simon Holstrom, who's been great, especially shorthanded. But th- they need offense, and that's that's been the, the big problem. But they are on a run. And we talked earlier in the year, right? How long can you go with relying on Sorokin to pull a Henrik Lundqvist and give you two, one, three, two wins before he starts to break down? 
if they can get secondary scoring from guys like Palmieri, who's been pretty decent, right? Then you know we all know they're going to rack Zach Parise, right? He's going to come back within oh, yeah, next couple weeks. Look, make all the fun you want. He still scored twenty plus goals last year, yeah. so whatever you want to say, he still was one of their top scorers on that team last year. And if he can provide them that secondary scoring, he's doing um, a he's doing a Matt Sundin. He's coming back from the second half of the year. Yep. So if, if he can do that, right? They're they're a team that could be dangerous because. They have the one key element that several of the other teams don't have, which is that stud goaltender. I mean, has anybody seen Zach Parisi like at Roosevelt Field Mall or hanging out at Eisenhower Park? Don't know. I haven't looked lately, but I'll go check out the casino they're building over by the old Coliseum and see if he's hanging out there, Russ. Yeah, it's not built yet. Okay. I know. And I, I finally, know. Trust me. I'm, I'm 15, 10 minutes from there. Finally, yeah. if in the last couple minutes here. So in the Atlantic right now, to Toronto. Can I say and, something about the island? Well, I'm trying to get the show over before well, four. so you can get the island. God damn it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, Jeez. Look, they're getting some mileage out of Simon Holmstrom, which I'm not sure they were they were gonna do a year ago. So that's that's pretty good. Now that Lambert has opened things up, that's why they do have more goals against. That's true. Uh Holmstrom has five uh off um short shorthanded goals this year. That's nothing to sneeze at. The fact that they mm -hmm. did open up their offense, Nelson's doing even even more than he normally does. Lee seems to have snapped back a little bit. Palmieri's been hot for like three weeks. I mean, maybe even longer. So those things are are definitely helping the situation now. That's all. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Um, in the Atlantic, both Toronto and Florida are tied at 38 points. Florida survived the absence of Montour and Ekblad. They've only given up 81 goals against, which, you know, like Russ, you were saying to me, Bobrovsky is playing really well. They're playing better defensively. You know, they seem it wasn't a fluke based on what they did last year in the playoffs. They've continued that and played really well. Toronto right now are basically in the same spot that they were last year where they've pieced together a defense because of injuries. Their goaltending last year was, it was healthy up until Marie getting hurt. Uh, Samsonov has not been the same goalie. Wall was injured. Martin Jones is actually plugged in. Uh, I don't know if what Toronto is right now is sustainable because they, they were just on, a, I think it was a 12-game point streak, and that ended against the Rangers. So I expect the Leafs to fall back a little bit because until they get Wall back as their, no, as their number one, because um, I don't know if I mean can Austin Matthews maintain this pace? He's on a sixty-five to seventy yeah. goal piece right now. Yeah, he scored no sixty a couple of years ago. Why not? Yeah, no, he can maintain that pace, and it does wallpaper over a lot of their problems. I mean, the key to them it's going to be the the week of the deadline. Who's healthy? Who's going to make out the season? And what could they possibly do to upgrade the team? If they don't make the right upgrades, like you know we've been saying all year, they're not going to beat Boston. They're not going to beat a team like the Rangers. Whoever they're matching up against, they're going to have trouble with. I don't think they can make any upgrades with their cap situation. Yeah. But we'll discuss that, you know, going further. But all right, Jan, you got to get going. Uh, thanks for joining. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for the incognito Russ Cohen and Jan Levine. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Witness protection. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.